0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hello and good evening to my dear friends and listeners. Tonight's class is being sponsored by Dove and Nancy Friedberg in honor of their dear sister Susanna Jacobowitz, whose birthday is today. This birthday girl happens to be my special mother, who is always here supporting everything I do. May all the lessons that we learn in tonight's class be as chus for her to live Admeyave Esrim Shana with good health, and of course, in good spirits. Tonight we're going to be learning parak Yud Gimel. And here in this parak, David is calling out to Hashem in a challenging time where he doesn't see Yad Hashem. He's, he's having a time of Hester Panim, where he's not... He's not seeing Hashem clearly operating in his life, and he uses this opportunity to teach us very valuable lessons on emotions, or at least that's what I'm extrapolating here from the parak. So, if we pay attention to the structure of this beautiful Perak, it goes. It starts out from expressions of intense pain, to, and then it goes into more. It transitions into more positive requests for salvation, and at the very end, we actually see that David is getting himself into hopeful, exciting uh, proclamations of joyous song as he contemplates the future Yeshua that he's going to be having. So the two lessons that I want to bring out of this park tonight, which are so important to practice in our daily life, is number one, the importance of validating our feelings by letting ourselves express those emotions that we're having in all their glory, um, which we actually did last week. I showed you how to do a mindfulness exercise to honor our feelings, to label our feelings. That is a way of self, a great way of validating ourselves. But tonight we're going to learn a shorter, easier version that we could really take with us wherever we go. And do, And it takes a couple seconds and it's easy and it makes a big difference. And the second thing that we're going to, you know, idea that I'm going to bring out of the parak is something that we've also spoken about in the past. We've spoken about the concept of becoming, putting ourselves in a feeling state that matches the feeling states that we want to attract. So we're going to learn the skill of, and we spoke about different ways of doing this, I'm sure I gave you some ideas. Tonight we're going to learn an innovative new idea of how to do this. A very interesting method, very effective method. And it's going to teach us how to create the emotional state that we want to be in even if I'm not in it now, but how to get to the feeling state that I want to be in so that I can draw that which I want into my life, so I can become a match for what I want to have in my life. Just to give you an example of the way this works, um, consider somebody who wants to make friends and they're feeling just like rejected and unsuccessful and lonely so if they if they choose to stay in their present feeling state right and they want to walk around and they they they're not you know aware or they're not willing to apply the principles of getting into a better feeling place then what's going to happen they're going to walk around feeling lonely excluded rejected and when people see them in the street or any or at a simcha or in shul what's going to happen People are gonna are gonna be like, you know, even more anxious to get away from them, right? Who wants to be around somebody who's emanating those energy, those those negative energies, right? But if this woman was, you know, in the Tien Tehillim classes and she decided to learn how to feel, you know, right now, how to get into an emotional state of feeling loved and sought after and confident. If she decided to make it her priority to figure out how to get into that state right now, then what would happen when she goes into a social situation, right? Then automatically she would be emitting unbelievable, upbeat energies and people would be drawn to her. So tonight we're going to be seeing these two ideas at play in David HaMelech's life and we're going to be exploring how to live them ourselves in our own daily lives. So let's look into the parak parak yud gimel lam nateach mezmar david for the leader a psalm of david okay so this parak like we said is written by david in a difficult time ad ana hashem netach, ad ana tastir es mimeni how long hashem will you ignore me forever how long will you hide your face from me so in this parak we have the words ad ana until when or how long we have this phrase repeated four times. And the Mepharshim say that the four times that this phrase is repeated is keneged the four different galios, the exiles that the Jews have been through, the Babylonian exile, the Persian, the Greek, and the Roman. And basically, David is saying here, you know, David is speaking about his own pain, but he's also hinting at the future pain that the Jews are going to be in, in all the exiles that they're going to be enduring. The Ibn Ezra says on the words Tishkacheni Netzach that how long will you ignore me forever? He says that when a person is in a difficult state, it's easy to get into a... When a person's going through a difficulty, it's easy to get into this state of feeling like Hashem forgot about me forever. And that there's no light at the end of the tunnel, and He's not even here anymore. But really, like we see in the next phrase, Tastir as Panecha, right? It's really... Hashem is really still providing the direct divine providence in the person's life. It's just that the person can't see because Hashem is concealing Himself and leaving no trace or clue of His presence. So, this is why the term Hester Panim is used. We don't say that Hashem disappeared, right? We say Hashem is hiding. He's hiding His face. And this terminology, this way of saying it, really... um, really expresses that concept that we're still being given divine providence, direct divine providence. Hashem's face is looking straight at us, protecting us and guiding us in our life. It's just that it's, it's hidden. So again, here we have two more aranas How long will I have cares on my mind, grief in my heart all day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Okay, so here we could really, um, we could really reach a, a place of feeling so understood when we read this parak in a difficult time. ashes I think most of us could relate to this at one time or another. How until like how long will I have to come up with etzos with, with ideas, with ways, with methods of managing all of the pain in my heart? How long will I have to figure out, how do I manage my emotions? I have to journal. Maybe I should take a nap. Maybe I need retail therapy. Let me go shopping. Maybe I need some chocolate. Maybe I just need plain old regular therapy, right? Like, how long am I going to have to come up with all these ideas to take care of all the, of the grief that I'm dealing with? Yagon bilvavi yomam. Grief in my heart all day. Okay, so we learned. That la- the last parak that we di- we did, we learned that the arena that at night a person is sad, but in the morning they're able, even if they're still going through the difficulty, they're able to see their situation through a more positive, upbeat lens. The sun is shining, and they're given renewed kochos for the new day. But David is expressing here his deep pain, and he's saying, even during the day, I'm in such a state that even all day I can't seem to shake the pain. I'm walking around feeling it. Alternatively, the Malbim explains Yagon Bilvavi Yomam, he says that that person who thinks tishkacheni netach, that Hashem forgot about him forever, and that there is no more divine providence in his life, and everything is just happening by chance, that person, even in the yomam, even in the daytime when things are going well, and his life is easy and flowing, and he's having happiness in his life, he's not really able to feel the happiness. He still has grief in his heart during those times. Why? Because he there's no khajbin in his head, The good times don't symbolize that he's being taken care of by Hashem. It doesn't symbolize that he did something right and he's earning a reward. It doesn't symbolize that this is evidence that Hashem is going to take care of me in the future. right? It's just by chance. So he still has that grief even during the happy times. Because who knows when something bad is going to happen to me just by accident. right? He can never really live a happy, content life. So this is the part of the parak where we spoke about all of the validation that the person a person needs in their difficult times. It's David is expressing his raw, vulnerable feelings straight from his heart. And now that he honored his feelings of pain and despair, he's able to transition now into a more forward thinking positive form of prayer. Let's look inside. Habita anini Hashem alokai, ha'ira enai pen ishan hamaves. Look at me, answer me Hashem my God, restore the luster to my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Okay, so here he's he's no longer saying to Hashem, please don't give me any more of that. Please don't make me have to come up with more etzas and feel like you left me forever. We're done with that. Now that David feels like he validated his feelings, he's going into the positive form of prayer. He's saying, Habita, this is what I do want, Hashem. I want you to look at me. I want you to answer me. I want you to enlighten my eyes. He's saying what he, yes, does want. And our tefilos should really mirror this model, right? We Yes, to express pain to Hashem is always, it's always a, you know, something that we should do. But at some point we have to remember to, like, transition to the positive form of prayer. And we spoke about this in, in our classes. And we want to transition to ask for what we do want. And this is what shifts us into a hopeful, trusting mode that creates a more effective tefillah, a tefillah shlema. So, if we look at the words here, ha'ira enai," Hashem, enlighten my eyes. Enlightening eyes has a that that phrase has a spiritual connotation. So what, what's David asking here? He's asking that Hashem should help him through his struggles by enlightening his eyes and giving him a higher perspective, giving him a bird's eye view of the situation that he's going through. He shouldn't see it in a small-minded way, but he should be able to see it like in a soul state, like in a state of really understanding And being so certain and clear about the fact that this is exactly what he's meant to be going through right now, and this is the best thing for him, and, you know, seeing things from just a spiritual higher perspective. And when a person is going through, you know, a difficulty, and of course we do everything we can to navigate in the best ways, but... It's important at some point to, to take this lesson from David HaMelech and to stop and to daven for this exact thing, ira Einai, like Hashem, give me that feeling of surrender, of trust, so that I could just know, I could just be so certain that this is what's best for me, that you're here taking care of me, and I could just like give in and relax into your arms. Because you know when we get into that place of acceptance, that's the place that we could grow and navigate from and thrive from, even during the difficulty. because you're not, no longer are you using all your energy on resisting what is, right? Instead, you've accepted it so you can put your energy into growing from it, into coming up with you know strategies of navigating it properly and into becoming the best you. Pen Ishan Hamavas He's saying, because if you, if I don't, if you don't help me to see this from a higher perspective, I won't, I just won't survive it. I won't, the suffering and the stress are going to eat me up alive. Okay. We're going to move on to the last pasuk here. But I trust in your faithfulness. My heart will exult in your deliverance. I will sing to Hashem, for He has been good to me. Here in the last Pasuk is where David is completely pivoting. And he's turning towards not just positive, hopeful, you know, not just like, Hashem, you know, this is what I do want. I want you to listen to me. I want you to answer me. But more just like he's putting himself in this excited, happy state of complete trust and certainty in his future salvation. And if you look at the words of this pasuk, it's very interesting because we see in this pasuk, the, the tenses keep shifting, and it encompasses a feeling of security and joy that stretches the span of time. It's, it goes from past to present to future, and he's putting himself in the, in, a, in a good emotional state, even though he's not in it right now. Because he's being in the future, like we said about Velabok Arena, he's looking to the future already, and he's seeing the salvation, and he's feeling the feelings of it right now. So like, look at the Pasuk, it says, V'ani right? Because batachti is past tense, because I always trusted in your chesed, right? And because I trusted in your chesed, I got all the miracles that come along with that and and I attracted all your blessings into my life, therefore, Therefore, I could already rejoice, I, I know that I'm going to be rejoicing at your Yeshua. I've seen your Yeshua so much in the past, because of all my trust in you, so therefore I'm so sure that in the future I'm going to be rejoicing, because you took care of me in this current situation that I'm in now in the present. So as much as David was in anguish, he's here ending off with his feelings of, you know, at, he he's already activating the feelings of the future. And the reason that he's able to do this is because he validated and honored his pain in the beginning of the parak, And now he could transcend it. Now he could really go into a higher perspective and have that ha'ira enai and transcend whatever pain he's in, By using his bitachon to activate a state of rejoicing that he knows he's going to soon be having. Okay, so we say this, parak in our times of deepest despair. And it really validates us because if you know what the words mean, these ad'anas, they really capture the way, you know, it's like they're timeless expressions. They capture all the ways that we're feeling in any difficult situation throughout throughout all the ages. And once we validate those feelings, then we could start shifting towards the hope that comes from the knowledge that Hashem will never stop being kind to us and we could shift into a better state. So let's go through these two practical um the two ways that we're gonna make these the ideas of this park very practical. First of all, how do we validate ourselves? So like I said, in the mindfulness exercise, we that was a very powerful way of validating if you have a little more time. But here's a shorter version of that. that and, and this is something that we should aim to do whenever we're having a strong emotion. We should aim to validate our feelings. So the steps are like this. First of all, you name, you're going to name the specific feeling that you're having. Right? How often do we actually stop to ask ourselves this icky feeling that I'm having now? Like, what is it? Right? What, 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 what exactly is it? What's it called? And somehow when we put a name to it, like confusion or frustration or grief or fear, when we put a name, it, that in itself has a soothing effect. Just to label it and to see it for what it is. The second thing you want to do is explain why it makes sense that you're having this feeling in your mind. Um, you know, really understand and explain to yourself, like, it makes sense that I'm feeling this way because why? Explain it to yourself. I'll give an example in a moment. And the third thing that you want to do is, and this is a little, when you're a person who's a little bit, you know, already has practice with this, with all the tools that I teach, could even get to a place of thanking the feeling for being there to guide you. Feelings and emotions are here to lead the way. To be like the mora, to show, to be the road sign. This is where you need to be focusing. Here is where work needs to be done in your life. Here is where growth needs to happen. So the last part of this is that you want to thank the feeling for being there to guide you. So just to give you an example, okay? And of course, this following example just never ever happens, but um, you know, here it is. So let's say a person, you know, a lady decides. This Shabbos, she's gonna go up to the country with her family. She's sick of being home for all these months. They need a change of scenery and she gets really excited because they have a house in the country that they share with all their siblings and they could go whenever they want. And she, you know, she's gonna pack everybody up and they're gonna have a beautiful weekend in the country. But what happens at the last minute? She finds out through the grapevine that the, that her little baby brother, Right, who just got married who's the happens to be the favored child in the bunch you know he invited his in-laws for shabbos to the house and so now all the bedrooms are taken up and there's no room for you and your family so of course you call him up right away what's going on he says listen i'm really sorry but like i I can't take back the invitation it's my new in-laws like what should i do there's no room for you i'm so sorry so you hang up the phone and you're simmering okay not you, sorry, this never would happen to any of us. It's some imaginary lady, and she's simmering. And how would she validate her feelings in this situation? Okay, so she would say something like the following. I am angry, right? We can imagine that she's very angry. I am angry, and it makes sense that I'm angry, because, right, that's the second step, why it makes sense. It makes sense that I'm angry because this is my house, right, and I should have the right to go whenever I want, and my brother should not be allowed to do that without asking my permission first. And then she could say something like, I am thankful for this feeling because it's prompting me now to call a family meeting so that we could draw up a set of house policies and rules that we all are going to need to follow. Okay, so can you see how she, you know, she honored her feelings, but even more than that, she actually found the benefit in this difficult emotion and saw one way how it could even help her, right? And the more, obviously, if you come up with more ways of how this feeling could be a help for the future and a guide for you, then it might help even more. But she found one important way that this feeling is serving her, And yes, she still might be mad about what happened, but she will be somewhat calmer and more capable of handling the situation in a better way. Okay. So when we valid, so this is the sentence that you want to keep in mind. And, you know, whenever you need self validation, whenever you need, you have a, whenever you have any sort of strong emotion, you should use the following sentence. I am feeling blank. And this makes sense because blank. And I'm grateful to this feeling because blank. Okay, so doing this allows, what it does is it, you know, honoring our feelings, labeling them, explaining why they make sense, being grateful for them. This all allows the feelings to wash over us. Instead of getting stuck with them and sitting on them for a long time, they could just pass right through us and we could move on to, you know, to better feeling places. Okay, now the second idea that I want to bring out tonight is how can we become an emotional match for the future that we want to be involved in creating? We spoke about becoming happy in the past, right, in order to bring good experiences into our life, but now I want to get more specific. What specific um, feeling am I looking for? What am I looking for? What specific feeling do I want to have from it? And that's gonna get me the very specific thing of that very specific thing that I want. So in order to attract what I want, I need to find out what feeling I'm gonna get when I have it. And live that feeling right now. Live in that feeling state. Envision myself having that thing that I want. Feel all the feelings that come with it. See, taste, smell, feel what it's like to be there in that place that I wanna be with all the things that I want. Right now. And this is the ultimate kind of bitachon because I'm, I'm letting myself feel as if I already have it out of the knowledge that Hashem and his infinite kindness is going to give it to me. That's the ultimate level of bitachon. So here are four steps to being able to achieve this level of bitachon, which will put me in the state that I, help me get into the state that I want to be in and draw into my life what I want. Just like the example that we gave in the beginning of This person who wants to make friends, if she wants to get to that place of having friends, she has to first put herself in the state of mind that she would be in if she already had all those friends. Not that she first has to make friends and then get into the state. The opposite. She first needs to become a match to, to become that person who has friends and then she could make those friends. Okay, so here are the steps that we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna teach you a process which involves creating a metaphor and using that metaphor to get into the state that we want to achieve and this could be used in so many different ways i'm going to try to give you um, two examples one that i'm just going to make up and another one that i actually um, used and that worked beautifully in my own life okay so here are the steps towards creating a metaphor to help us get into a desired state number one first thing you need to do is identify what is it that i want what do i want and What feeling will I get from it when I actually get it? So, for example, a person could say, let's say I want more money. And the feeling that I, you know, they could think for a minute, okay, when I have more money, how am I going to feel? What's the feeling that will come out of that? Maybe let's say freedom, right? The freedom to come, go, do, be, you know, have whatever I want, do whatever I want, okay? So I want more money and I want to feel free, okay? That's step one identify what you want and how you want to feel. The second thing you want to do is then, now is when you're going to create your metaphor. Basically, what you do is, you go back to a time in your mind when you felt that feeling. When did you feel freedom? It could be because of money or it could be because of anything that gave you a sense of freedom. Go back to that freedom that you felt, right? Where were you? What were you doing? Um, How did you feel? And really just ask yourself, in that moment when I felt free, what was I? What, what could I compare myself to? And maybe an animal or a part of something in nature or a specific person who has a certain profession. Like, what was I? And so, for example, a person who wants to feel f- financial freedom might compare herself to a bird, right? I want to be in that moment that I felt free. I was a beautiful white bird with outstretched wings. Let's say. The third step, so now that you have your metaphor, is you want to just examine, like, in what ways does a bird represent, this white, beautiful bird, represent my freedom? Like, in what ways is is a bird free? Really understand the connection here. So, you could just list in your head, you know, or if you're writing it down, it's always even better. You could think of things like it fly you know a bird could fly wherever it wants it could land wherever it wants. it has extraordinary abilities above and beyond other people. it stretches out its body into a wide, you know free stance. all these things are gonna you know and you could keep going just describing how this bird represents your freedom. and the fourth thing that you're gonna do, now that you've really built that link, that connection between a bird and freedom, the fourth thing you're going to do is that once a day, you're going to activate this state. You're going to think about this metaphor, and you're going to talk about yourself as if you are the bird. So for example, you're going to say, you know, and it's best to do this in the morning. Like in the morning, you want to set yourself up for a good day with all the feelings that you want to have. So you wake up in the morning and you say, I am a free bird. And describe, keep going for like over a minute, just describing what it's like to be that bird who's free. I soar through the air with contentness. I have everything I could ever want or need as I get all my sustenance from all around me. I can go, come, do, fly, wherever I want, whenever I want, right? Really talk about being. Get into that metaphor and be it. And what happens is... When you do this, you set yourself up, the more you put yourself into this, you know, you have this bird in your mind, right? So automatically, just picturing this bird puts you into the state of being, puts your body language, your speech, your actions into this state of feeling free. And you could even repeat it throughout the day. Like, if you're ever not feeling free, you want to pivot and turn and, you know, picture this bird in your head and, and, and put yourself back into being like that free bird. So the more you get yourself into that state of freedom, right? So now when you do action steps towards making money and you're already in the vibration of I am financially free, I am I can do whatever I want, right? So you're already in the state that you're wanting to attract. And this is like the bitachon, the ultimate place to be in to energetically and magnetically attract what you're looking for. I want to give you an example of how I use this. Um, one time I had, I was having an issue with a child and I, it was very clear that the reason I was having this issue, right? It's, it's rarely the kid's fault. Normally we have to, it's it's the parent who has to shift something in the way we're parenting. I realized that I'm too much of a softy and I need to be firmer. I need to be stronger with this child. I really need to discipline them and stop being like a pushover, but it's hard for me. Like by nature, I want to just say yes to everything and I want to be soft and easy so I had to ask myself, what do I want? Okay. So I went through this process. I said, what do I want? I want cooperation from this kid, right? What feelings do I want to have? I want to have the feeling of being in control, of being respected in my, in my home. And then I created a metaphor and I tried to find something that was really a strong metaphor that was going to help me access a strong state of being, you know, in my greatest power. So, what did I do? I turned myself into one of my principals. Um, one of the principals that I had in school was someone who commanded a lot of respect. Like, just, just, she, she had presence and, and she had a strong voice. And whatever she said, everybody just followed it, right? She had like what her, her word was the final word. So, I, I activated that metaphor. I examined in what ways you know, is this principal personifying that, that respect that I'm looking to have? And then what happened was every day before my kids came home from school, I activated the state. And I would say, I am, let's say the principal's name was Mrs. Stern, let's say, right? I would say, I am Mrs. Stern. I command respect. When I walk into the room, everybody listens. My word is the final word. Like, I got myself. I stand tall and proud and confident. I know that everybody's going to listen to what I say. Like, I put myself into that place of being this person. And just an unbelievable thing happened. Like, things just shifted. Because I borrowed her energy I took that energy of being in control, of being respected, I brought it into my home, and then everything just fell into place. And Baruch Hashem, that whole issue blew over, and I, I really strengthened, you know, I should think that, that that whole incident that happened with that misbehavior, because it served to really strengthen me into a, to being a stronger mother. So just to review... Okay, we spoke about self validation. I am feeling blank and this makes sense because blank and I'm grateful to this feeling because blank, right? And the second thing we spoke about was creating a metaphor for, you know, that really personifies how I want to feel when I get that which I want and activating that metaphor now right? In the morning, or even like I said, when I did it right before the kids came home from school, like when you need it, anytime you need it, activate that metaphor and talk about how you embody that metaphor, that thing, that person, that animal, that part of nature, that whatever it is, um, to get yourself into that state. Okay, any questions or comments, feel free, please, to contact me through my website, yalbertram.com. I would love to hear from you. And also on my t to Helen page on the website, you could click on a link there to access my podcast and to follow it so that you'll get updates about new classes. Thank you all for listening and have a good night.